Dispatch. I'm John here in the East Coast uh, with the usual cast of suspects. Here we have Leslie. West Coast represent. Oh, West All right. Coast. <laughs> Lord. Uh, Joe. I guess Midwest represent. <laughs> and Doug. I guess I'm representing the South. Welcome aboard. <laughs> uh, our special guest on this episode is Jimmy out of New York City and our discussion is going to offer some different perspectives but today we usually or usually we talk about law enforcement uh, side of the house but today we're going to switch gears and talk mainly about fire and EMS dispatch mainly fire dispatch so how many of us dispatch for fire EMS besides myself <laughs> I did just Joe and Jimmy did so, so Jimmy, three of you right uh, there. So Leslie and I will have a conversation. Hi, Leslie. How are you doing? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just keep your badges. Yeah, and we'll guns just go over to the there. corner over you here. Know what? And, you know. Sometimes yeah. you all need the badges and your guns. I'm just saying. So. That's right. Got to make hey, we, safe. we have anyway. first tools and other stuff. We're good. <laughs> oh, please. It's actually gotten to a point where I, I'll tell units, hey, guys, it's the middle of PD tour change. Just pull them over to the side of the road. Let them exchange information. Have a nice day because God knows when the cops are going to show up. Wow. <laughs> okay. Especially nowadays. So yeah. uh, Jimmy, our special guest yeah. is or uh, was a dispatcher in New York. And why don't you tell us about yourself? Wow. Okay. Well, I'm 48 years old. I'm originally from Queens, New York. Um, if you're familiar with the movie Goodfellas, I grew up in the neighborhood where most of that happened. Wow. Um, awesome. My earliest memories in the New York City Fire Department were seeing uh, Rescue Company Number 4 go up and down Queens Boulevard. I spent a lot of time hanging out in the firehouse in South Queens, Engine Company 308 and the 5-1 Battalion. It ain't easy being single in Bollywood, USA. Um, I was a buff. I was into the job. Um, my, my day would stop at 5 o'clock on a Saturday. I'd be watching Johnny and Roy in emergency. Oh, my God. On you know, local, local TV stations. Emer- yeah, it was emergency, Star Trek, then solid gold. You know, now I'm really dating. Okay. Wow. So, this career path could have gone a completely different way. Hey, and welcome, Marilyn McCoo. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. I was always, I was always partial to who who was the other one that was uh, the host? Rick Dees hosted. No, no, no. It was another another lady. Oh, Dion Warwick. Yes. Dion Warwick. That's right. Dion Dion Warwick. Awesome. Wow. Um, I never heard of that show. I was too young. Public public service and public safety is the family business. Wow. Um, My father was a police officer. His father was a corrections officer who couldn't become a firefighter after World War II for whatever reasons. My father-in-law is a retired firefighter. My brother-in-law is a retired firefighter. My brother is, uh, was a paramedic lieutenant with FDNY EMS. I just buried him four months ago from September 11th related cancer. Um, I mean, the list goes on and on with it's, it's the family business. Um, we moved to the suburbs of New York city when I was about 12 years old, a place called Lake Carmel in Putnam County, uh, about maybe an hour north of New York city. And I got really involved in the fire service. Then being a fire explorer, I was an explorer from 87 to 91. I joined the Bollies in 91. I'm also a veteran of the United States coast guard. I served from 92 to 96. Uh, just before I got out, my father calls me and says, Hey, listen, uh, they're given a dispatches test. You want to take it? I'm like, ah, I don't know. 
there's a reservist sitting next to me who happens to be a lieutenant with the FBNY. And he says, do you want to be a fireman? I said, yeah. He goes, take the test, get your foot in the door. That's the advice. I was going to say, because that's a step back being in the field, going behind the desk now, or it's a perceived step back. Well, yeah, it depends on, depends on who you ask. Um, Some people love it. Um, And I got on the job in 97. Like I said, I learned from guys who did it without a computer in some of the busiest times New York City's ever had, you know, we call it the war years, ran from the mid-60s to probably the late 70s, early 80s, where New York City was burning and burning all over the city. Um, when you hear stories about the South Bronx or areas in Brooklyn that look like a war zone of just rubble and empty streets, they, they weren't kidding. Mm. I can remember driving around there when I was a kid, going to my grandmother's house up in the Bronx and, you know, going over the bridge and counting the plumes of smoke. You know, from a second alarm <laughs> over here, an all hands, which is a full one alarm, and a third alarm over here. And I would hear stories from the guys I used to work with, you know, that worked during those days that were, you know, into taking pictures and stuff. They get off a of four to 12, and they'd be like, all right, which one do you think we're going to go to? That second alarm over on Southern Boulevard, maybe that all hands down on Concord Avenue. And like I was saying earlier, it wasn't uncommon to, to call out over the radio looking for anybody available and getting dead silence because mm. nobody was available. They were either at fires or they were cleaning up and they weren't ready to go yet. Um, I caught part of that. Not like I would hear stuff on the radio when I was a kid, you know, hearing the, uh, the tail end of those years. But like I said, I came on the job and I was incredibly fortunate to, to learn from people that we considered like legend in, yeah. in dispatch um i worked a little bit in brooklyn which is the largest borough in new york city most amount of companies and it's the borough of fire there's there's no two ways about it um i did a little while in the bronx and then i went to manhattan and i really i think i um earned my bones for lack of a better term as a manhattan dispatcher because what i tell people is if you want nothing but fire go to brooklyn you want a decent amount of fire and some like weird stuff that could possibly happen because you have both the airports and a few other things go to Queens. If you want, I don't know what I'm going to get when I pick up the phone or it's going to be on the five o'clock news, go to Manhattan. You name it. It'll happen in Manhattan. So were you, were you, we were, in were you a little bit earlier, Jimmy, we were in here just a little bit earlier. You mentioned something about dispatch and fire that I found kind of interesting. What's you that? said each street or, or corner has a number and you guys have a running order for oh, those yeah. okay. uh, streets with the numbers. Okay. Can you explain the numbers and sure. what you were saying to sure. us earlier for the dispatchers listening for a big city dispatch? Sure. Okay. Um, New York City is known for their what they call box numbers. Now, every other street corner in New York City has a box number attached to it. Either there's an actual physical alarm box on the corner that you can activate to speak to either the police department or the fire department, or- They still have those blue boxes on the corner? Oh yeah. Oh, in Manhattan God. too? <laughs> really? Yeah. I was just there, I didn't even see them. You weren't looking <laughs> close enough. Wow. Um, <laughs> God almighty. I was, in, I was in Manhattan on uh, on Monday with some cousins from out of town. I was pointing stuff out and like, yeah, there's an alarm box. That's wow. Don't touch really? it, but that's and, how it works. And those are still active. You just pick up yes. a receiver. Oh, well, no, 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 no. What you would do is oh. you would press a button and it would ring through and it would come to us and it would pop up on the screen where the box was, oh. the box number, the intersection, 
And then if it will just say I'm working in Queens and I get a box from Brooklyn, it'll say box, we'll just say 1082 Washington Avenue Empire Boulevard with a big B in parentheses next to it. But that just gets you to the block where this event is occurring. It doesn't take you to the address of where this fire actually is, right? Correct. Unless you get voice contact and they give you an address over the over the box. Holy um, now in Manhattan, I mean voice contact, you'd hear everyone but the person calling yeah. in, I suspect. Not necessarily. <laughs> well, well, oh, we really? had a, we had a workaround for that. If you couldn't hear what the person was saying, you put in audio problem at the alarm box, off goes an engine company. Oh wow. And that's uh, to and investigate. That's when, right. And that's when you kind of hope, okay, let's see if we get a subsequent telephone call. To, to fill this out or for the hearing impaired or speech impaired they had a, a system of taps almost like morse code and you know it was like two taps for fire one tap one tap one tap for pd that's i, I got a story about that some guy was convinced that he had a, a hearing and speech impaired person at the box so we sent it out and it goes out as what we called at the time a deaf mute so the first new truck company pulls up and says, uh, latitude eight to Manhattan. Do you anything further? The deaf mute also appears to be the invisible man. So, <laughs> and then other times we, we still have the, the mechanical boxes that you, you pull. Oh my and God. It would, really? it would trip, it would trip an electric circuit with the box number. So, you know, let's say three, five, nine, three at Bainbridge Avenue and Jerome Avenue, the end of the number four train in the Bronx, one, two, three, one, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, one, two, three. And it would hold on the three and then go three more rounds. So you at least had time to write it down in the event that, you know, you didn't hear it the first time. Hey, I'm assuming they have a lot of cameras in the Manhattan area. So when you're uh, never assume fire, anything, you see anything, yes. like, hey, we've got um, a on camera here and we can see it, what's going on. And Well, basically um, what a lot of guys would do is they'd sit there and watch certain street cams um it you know if we had a car accident on one of the highways we yeah. could look at the dot cams mm-hmm. and go okay here's where it is mm-hmm. and then you know yell over to the guy at the radio hey listen it's on the cross bronx which is i-95 for those of you who don't know uh it's just past rosedale avenue going new jersey bound and we could just go over to the radio hey listen you know you're coming this way, you're going to run right into it because it's, you know, on the, you know, on cross Bronx. So you can see the stuff that's going on. You must have a lot sometimes, of time, right? Sometimes you can, sometimes oh. you can. Other times cool. we'll get a working fire and we're all grabbing the phones, looking at citizens. Uh, yeah. Now, question real quick about the working sure. fires. I just like amazing. It worked at New York city. Okay. We run out where I'm from dispatching fire of apparatus at third alarm. What does New York have the potential to go up to? All right. Um, oh God! <laughs> well, each assignment card for each box in the city, uh, with the new computer system that we put in last year, has the capability to record up to twenty alarms worth of apparatus. So you're talking eighty engine companies and probably sixty something truck companies. Wow. Now, a reported fire in New York City: three engines, two ladders, and a battalion chief. Right off the bat. Okay, we have a little thing we call loading it up. Now, if we're getting numerous calls and we're getting quality, yeah, people saying, you know, fires out the windows, they're bailing out the fire escapes. You know, I I hear windows breaking. I hear that at three o'clock in the morning. I'm loading the box up. I'm sending more. Yeah. So we give them a fourth engine company. We give them the heavy rescue company. 
And then we give them a squad company, which is like a manpower unit. They can operate as an engine, they can operate as a ladder company, and they can also do rescue and hazmat work. They do a little bit of everything. And all the squads in New York City, we have eight of them, actually have a first, second, and third do area as engine company. So like squad 61 was first due to my old office. So we get a report of a fire at box 4306, I think it is, Marconi Street and Waters Place. Squad 61 is going in as an engine. They pull up and it's you know blown out the windows of the subway next to the liquor store and they transmit the signal for the working fire. They get another squad company coming in as to act as a squad company. So and Joe wants to get, have all those fire trucks where he works. <laughs> like, yeah. We, we could have used them the other day. We had a big uh, apartment complex. That's that probably the whole okay. state of where the fire trucks in Iowa. Well, it's it's a hundred. <laughs> let me see if I get this right. It's a hundred ninety-seven engine companies. Oh my God. hundred forty-three truck companies. Forty-nine fire battalions. Six or seven specialized battalions. Eight squad companies. Five heavy rescues. <laughs> five unmanned USAR units, which are cross-staffed by either the rescue right. company or a truck company that they're quartered with. Yeah. Uh, six fireboats. Hey, let, three let me seasonal. ask you this, though. If, sure. Because we got this when I worked in L.A. We would have people bitching about the freeways blocked with an accident. Manhattan oh, gee, is bad. like a total box, box everywhere. When you get a well, fire truck on scene, do you get calls of people saying they need to get the hell out of the way? Only on the highways. Only on the high, well, and nice. usually, and usually the calls would come from from NYPD. Oh my! It's God. like, hey, listen, hey, listen, can you guys open up a lane so we can get in there? No problem. We'll see what we can do. But if it's if it's a local, yeah, you know, sorry, you're gonna have to wait. Yeah, um, at that point. But, wow. Another dispatch get, question for you. Another, I just love these dispatch questions. I'm going rapid fire right oh, at you. Another dispatch question for you because I like it. How many dispatches are working New York City Fire? Where the last one you worked at? Okay, New York City Fire Department has five supervising dispatchers, one for each borough. Okay. Hmm, okay. Um, and anywhere, let's see, five in Staten Island, that's 17, 30, 30 dispatchers wow. citywide at any given time. Wow. <laughs> so it's a and, and some of those are call taking and some right. are on the radio, you have, correct? You have, you have the boss, the supervising dispatcher. You have in Manhattan and Brooklyn, three call takers. Okay, the other three boroughs have two call takers. That's it. Well, we have we have overflow. So what happens is, let's say, um, like the last day I was I was working, we had this massive apartment building fire. When they the calls would get connected to the fire department, if the Bronx didn't answer after X amount of time, it would immediately roll over to oh, okay. the, next, the next available borough which would be, we'll say Queens. Okay, if Queens didn't pick up, Manhattan picked up. If Manhattan didn't pick up, Brooklyn picked up. Okay, Brooklyn so there's a fail safe built oh, in. Oh yeah, there is, there yeah. is. Leslie, what do you got? So I know, because we were talking to Jimmy before we started recording in, and I know that one of his uh, claims to fame, I guess, or something <laughs> that I know that once people hear about it, they're gonna want, I mean, talk about a lot of questions is, so how many people were working on September 11th? Because you can't, especially in public safety, you can't say NYPD, NYFD without, or FDNY without thinking, that, yeah, yeah right. uh, you know, September 11th. Okay. And, and you had um, mentioned that you were working there. What, the, what was that? 
the number of dispatchers for fire only is mm-hmm. the same was the same number as I just gave you. Probably one less. Back then, Staten Island only had one call taker. Um, and, you know, there were calls that just never got answered or it, it took forever for them to come through. Um, mm-hmm. I was sitting at my desk and I was drinking ice water out of a spaghetti sauce jar, waiting for my, you know, <laughs> bagels and bagels in the papers. And yeah, well, that's how we roll. You know, yeah. had, my, had my feet up. And the next thing you know, um, you guys, have you guys ever seen the video of the, the first plane hitting? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. That, the guys were out for that gas leak at Church and Lispinard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, took, I took that phone call. Oh, geez. And then, and then the first plane goes in. Engine six was over by the police, uh, by police headquarters, maybe like six or seven blocks east of the Trade Center. They saw the first plane go in, came over the radio, engine six to Manhattan, transmit a second alarm. We just had a plane to the Trade Center. My feet come off the desk and I'm like, yeah, this is bullshit. Somebody's messing with us. Then the intercom, the voice alarm from the firehouse across the street, the 10 house starts going off. And it sounds like a chime, like you picked the right letter on the wheel of fortune. It's like ding, ding. Then the alarm box starts coming in from two world trade, 8087. And then every phone line in the office lit up. And for lack of a better term, all hell broke loose. Um, it went rapidly it was a second alarm off the bat. Uh, Battalion one left the gas leak, transmitted a third alarm, transmitted a 1060, which is our radio code for a major emergency. And basically even more cavalry shows up. Mm-hmm. They go to a fifth. And now you've got an army of firefighters coming to do whatever they got to do. Um, I remember Chief Gancy, the chief department coming over the Brooklyn Bridge about 10, 15 minutes into it, you know, Manhattan, what do you have operating at the trade center? We have a fifth alarm. Okay. We'll transmit another fifth alarm. We just had a second plane hit, you know, wow. so right there goes any idea that this could have possibly been an accident. Yeah. And it's like, okay, you know, shit just got real. Um, do you guys have a TV in the comm center? Can you see what we have? A t- we have a TV and oh, we're watching geez. everything happening, you know, for lack of a better term in real time. Yeah. And then, you know, talking to people, trapped in the buildings, talking to people on scene, trying to coordinate as best we can, you know, given the situation. And Did you also talking, accept text messages? Uh, this was before texting was a big This was, thing. okay, okay. Yeah, this was, this was 20 years ago. Um, text to 911 is something that's only recently come into play in New York City. And okay. just as I was getting to retire, they were starting to really like ramp it up. Um, I don't usually like talking about it with people who don't understand what it is we do. And I'm like, you don't want to know. You don't want to know. You don't want to know. And then they push me. And I'm like, all right, you asked for it. We have a script that we have to follow. Fire department, our dispatcher number. What's the address of the fire? Mm-hmm. Just before the second tower came down, I picked the phone up. I barely get the words fire department out of my mouth. Ladies, he's never mind. I'm like, what do you mean, never mind? He just jumped. Okay. Hung up on her. Took the next phone call. Next, jeez. Oh, well, and I mean, is there even any? At what point do you just realize, fuck this, and you can bleep that out, Doug? That so? I mean, to to coordinate stuff, it's like there ain't no way. This actually is just, keep track of everything. Were, yeah. yeah. Well, that's where the that's where the chips came in hand. We were able to track everybody that's operating on the computer, and then we took the status board where we had the plastic chips to do everything manually. And we're, they were pulling chips left and right. 
just, you know, writing down 8084, which is number number one world trade. 8087 was number two world trade. Uh, box 300, West Street and Vesey Street. They had a staging area there. Box 20 something or other for Battery Park City, which is on the other side of West Street from the Trade Center. Put units there, you know. And then we had the Westchester County, which is just north of New York City, had their field communications unit at the Bronx office. And they were coordinating with the Bronx dispatchers, mutual aid coming in from up north. And I, I, I'm not sure exactly how they how they did it um, with the CAD we had at the time. And I, I'm pretty sure they just did they did shit manually and just you know. Yeah. yeah. One more the last question. One more question. Go ahead, Joe. Go ahead, Joe. I, I want a question because he's a sports fan, and I want to ask a sports question about wow. September. What a transition. <laughs> yeah. No, it's still about September 11th. No, that's fine. That's fine. George, George Bush came out and threw out the first pitch of a baseball game. Yeah, he pitched, uh, Yankee Stadium. Yeah. Yankee Stadium. Uh, can you say what it was like for you guys if you were working that event and what that did uh, for the city of New York, or what are your thoughts on that? Because if you watch any sports, I'm not, show, I'm not quite. I'm not quite sure that President Bush's throwing of the first pitch made as much of an emotional impact as him standing on the pile with that retired firefighter yeah. and saying, "You know, we hear you. The whole world hears you." Right. But along that along that same line, about a week and a half later, my Mets were playing the Braves, and Mike Piazza hits this monster home run. Yes, he did. The, uh, yeah, to the you know left field bleachers. To me, that is probably was the the jump start, for lack of a better term, to start getting New York City to recover. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. And <clears throat> you know. I, I mean, I, I could go on with you guys for hours about about that and, you know, things that, that happened where like the tape, the, the 911 calls, they were all confiscated. And then the family sued to have the tapes released. And my first reaction to that was, OK, well, release them and release them unedited. You want to hear this so bad? Mm-hmm. Here you go. But they came up with a, a compromise that if they couldn't identify the voice of the civilian calling, the civilian's voice was removed from the tape. And I, this was like five, almost five years later. And I'm like, are you guys kidding me? Why? Why even bother? You know, put it out unedited. If these people want to hear it so bad, let them hear it, regardless of who it is. Yeah. And I, I, I remember clear as day calling into work in the Bronx and the guys on the on the news radio saying, if this you know upsets you, you may want to change the channel. And I'm sitting there in my car going, please don't let it be me that's talking to this guy. And sure enough, yeah. it was me. Aye. And you know, I just I just walked in, I walked in the office and I'm like, I, I can't freaking believe this. Um, because that's when all the questions started getting asked. You know, yeah, yeah. And, and well, like, gonna, I would have oh, I'm sorry. What were you about to say, John? No, finish finish your thought, then I have okay. This is when all the all the questions people started asking. I was getting phone calls all day. Hey, listen, why did you tell that guy to stay where he was? I'm like, because that's what we were trained to do. Yeah. You know, yeah. we have a we had a, a policy called shelter in place. If the calling party is above the fire floor, you tell them to sit sit tight mm. until somebody gets up there. If they're below the fire floor, get the hell out of the building if you can. Get a stair, make the stairs and get the hell out. And 
oh, okay. You know, and then and then five years later, you get all the Monday morning quarterbacks going, well, that stairway yeah. was open. Why did that idiot tell him to take stairways? Because yeah. we didn't fucking know. <laughs> yeah. And such an unusual incident. You would never know that. So, no. Yeah. But uh, yes. and, and, and this is kind of a sad story. Um, Bruce Brenner, who was a supervised dispatcher in Manhattan, God rest his soul. After that happened, he requests a transfer out to Queens. He's like, I've had enough of Manhattan. I need a break. They're like, all right, Bruce, we'll send you to Queens. Either his first or second day in Queens, flight 587 goes down in the Rockaways. Oh, my gosh. And he retired right after that. Yeah. that he's like, yeah, that's it. That's enough. Well, last thing, Jimmy, you are retired now, correct? When he's mm-hmm. drinking, I'm hoping okay. he is. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, he's not I'm work, retired. So. I am, okay. I've been officially retired since February 18th. Okay. Well, congratulations. Thank you for Thank your you. service in the Coast Guard. Yes. Uh, this has been a great conversation, a lot of hearing about FDNY, some of the backstories that did or did not get released, particularly from someone who actually worked September 11th and other uh, high level events, i.e. January 9th in the Bronx. So uh, we'd love to have you back, maybe to continue this conversation, uh, particularly about just other topics. But this is real informative. And as you said, we could go on for hours about this, but now we're at the 25 minute mark. So <laughs> there's our hour that's up. So thanks for joining us today on We Speak you Dispatch. I'm going to give it to Joe to talk about where they can, where everyone who's not listening can find us. If you want to hear this episode or any future episodes, past episodes, you can find us on almost any podcast platform. We're also on all over social media, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and we just joined TikTok. So make sure you join us and maybe you'll see a couple funny videos from this episode uh, posted to TikTok as well. Jimmy, it has been an absolute pleasure meeting you. Thank you for your service. Thanks for everything you did on September 11th. Everybody everybody else that was working that major event. So thank you to everybody in New York. Yes, thank you. Have a great show. Hey, it's Michelle, and you've been listening to another great episode of We Speak Dispatch, proudly sponsored by our friends at Zybex. Approaching sunset. Number three, lane.